You want your five-star matches? You want your 30-minute classics? Not me. Big meaty men slapping me. What is good, ladies and gentlemen? This is another episode of the Slapping Me to Wrestling podcast. I am your host, Randall Beatley. Um, so we got a lot to get into. Um, I know last episode I said this episode would be me ranking the WWE champions. We're still going to do that. That's gonna we'll go through those. We'll we'll give a ranking. Oh, you know, okay. I think there's 12 titles if I count it correctly. Here's where you are. Here's where you are. Here's right. And I'm glad I actually did this um, late. Um, We've had some title changes after the pay-per-view and after Raw. Um, And so I'm glad I waited to fill. I was going to record this episode Monday um, before Raw. Um, That way... When I, because I was gonna include my Extreme Rules review, I'm still going to do that on this episode. Um, but if I did it before Raw, then the rankings would have been wrong because we did have a title change on Raw. If you haven't watched, spoiler alert, should have done that before. But we did have a title change on Raw, um, and so here we go. It's Wednesday morning as I'm recording this, um, and we're, so we'll do that. We'll rank the WWE champions. We'll include SmackDown, Raw, and NXT champions on um, this list, which leads me to, uh, I think, 12 championships, which makes sense for per brand. I think I'm, I may be missing some, to be honest with you. I think I, I don't know. It's I count it twelve. Um, um, with that, and then we'll also, so we'll do that first, and then we'll go into extreme rules. Um, review. Let me list. You know, I will go through the matches not necessarily like move by move we won't spend a a lot of time on each individual match um as i tend to not enjoy doing that um if you want a move by move breakdown of each match go watch Meltzer go watch Alvarez that's not for me um yeah i think i have every champion on here um it I forgot one. How can I forget this one? Um, 13 champions. How do I forget this one? Oh, that's actually... We'll, we'll get into that list. Let me just double check, make sure I have everything on here. 
Yep. Okay. Now I do. So technically, there's 15 championships in WWE. However, the bloodline holds four of them. Um, Because on the website, they still are individual. Like, it's not one title. It's universal and then WWE champion, which leads me to believe at some point Roman's going to lose one of the one of the belts, which is where, where I hope it goes, and we'll talk about that when we talk about Roman and, as well, the Usos. But let's go ahead and start this list. So, 13 champions, and that's what we'll rank, right? So, 13th, Dana Brooke. If you don't know, she's still 24-7 champion. I'm over the 24-7. It was over for me for a few months, maybe a year or two, but it's completely just, it's, I don't like it anymore. It's not funny anymore. It's, it lost a lot of its vibe that I like it. I I wish they would just get rid of it. They tried it. It worked for a little bit. But I just, I don't, I don't like it anymore. We don't need it. It's, it's completely useless. And, you know, it's sad that Dana Brooke is 13th when... Technically, we only have 12 champions because 12th on my list is vacant. The North American Championship for NXT is considered vacant. So it is 12th on my list, which means Dana Brooke is worse than having no champion. That It's just because I don't like the belt. Um, the North American Championship, I think Carmelo Hayes has really brought a lot of prestige to it. The thing that I'm kind of confused with is why would you take it from, why would you t- put it on Solo just to take it from Solo? I guess to create this this tournament, um, not really a tournament, this this these qualifier matches to give storyline into Halloween Havoc. Um, and so I think I think Carmelo after Halloween Havoc will be on the main roster, um, and he won't win this title. I don't think he will. Um, I, I got to take a look at the competitors who are in. the. I think it's going to be a fatal five-way. Um, I don't remember them offhand right now. Um, but I think someone else will end up winning this. When that happens, this will jump up the list. Um, if it was Carmelo Hayes, it would be much higher. I'll tell you this, though. My top five, like... It's hard to break into my top five. Um, like so It would be hard for me to put Carmelo in the top five because I think my top five are legitimate like champions. And like all five of them, I think, are like great. I don't know who I would have t- would take out. Right. Let's move on to 11th. That is the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, Kaden and Katana. I, I don't like them. I don't get them. I don't understand why what they did um, to sort of position themselves to be champion. Now, understand, understand this. I'm ranking these cha- these champions in terms of prestige of the belt and the prestige of the champion. Understanding that the the belt's supposed to move storyline. Um, when we had Toxic Attraction as as the tag team champions there was always some sort of storyline involved, and I just don't know what's going on with Caden and Katana. I'm not a big big fan of the gimmick. 
Um, and I just, I understand there's not a lot of women's tag teams in NXT right now that I can think of. Um, I just, you can't find someone else a little, I, put it back on Toxic if you don't have anyone better. Because at least when Toxic had it, there was, there was something to talk about in their match. They put on good matches. There were, like, I just, I still think Casey Catanzaro, I'm going to call her by her name. I understand WWE wants to own the IP, but Katana Chance is the worst freaking name ever. Um, Casey Catanzaro to me is still super green. Um, and I just, it's hard for me to take it serious when you have someone so small like that doing things against even someone like Nikita Lyons that it doesn't make sense to me. Number 10 will be our new SmackDown Women's Champion, Ronda Rousey. So first off, a lot of this is about the prestige of the belt. There was none. Liv had, in my opinion, an awful title run. Um, And this happens. And this is why I'm all for a mid-card women's champion for both brands. If you're going to do it, you can do it on both brands. Because you need a belt to put on someone like a Liv Morgan who's never won a belt before to see how they will handle being champion, right? Because now once you're champion, now you're going to have storylines run through that belt that you have. Um, And I just... She's a, she chased the, the her getting to the belt and chasing it was the best part of this entire run, right? Because every pay per view would be like, oh, this would be the chance she's gonna she's gonna show out, right? She's gotta win Money in the Bank, which eventually she did, right? But she got the chance at I think Royal Rumble this year to be have Becky, and everyone was like, oh, this is gonna be the time when they put the belt on her, and Becky won, right? And the fans wanted it, and they gave her Money in the Bank. And that, she cashed in, right? And then you're going to tell me that she could beat Shayna by herself. And then here's the thing that I think really ruined the, the, the moment for me for that belt was you give Liv the equalizer in uh, being an Extreme Rules match where she could finally actually do something and she loses the match. Um, now, whether whether or not she, you know, ends up joining Wyatt Six, I don't know if that's going to be true or not. I just didn't like it. It told me that Triple H, whoever's writing the storyline here, is not sold on Liv Morgan as champion. And I'll tell you something: I'm not sold on Liv Morgan as champion. Not everyone's built to be champion. Right, there's there's a lot of people like you. Seth Rollins went about 900 days without a belt. He didn't need to be champion. He was still the best guy on the roster. Right, so Liv doesn't need to be champion. All these wrestling fans out there who say you need to be, you need this person needs a belt. This person needs a the belt isn't what makes the character. The character is often what makes the belt prestigious. Um, and again, the belt is a prop to push storyline. It's not real, right? The WWE Championship is not a prestigious belt in the world of, 
of fighting because it's it's a predetermined result. It's not like Roman Reigns or, you know, it's not like Ronda Rousey went out there and legitimately passed out Liv Morgan. It was predetermined who would win, right? And so it's not like these belts have actual prestige to them. They're props to move storyline. And until people recognize that, I don't think people see, like, because I hear fans all the time, well, so-and-so needs needs a championship. No, they don't. They don't need a championship, right? The championship doesn't make you as a character, right? You, you don't need a belt to be over. Kevin Owens has proved that. Uh, Seth Rollins has proved that. Becky Lynch has proved that, right? You don't need the belt to get over. And so many like, that's why it irritates me when they bring Charlotte back. Every so often, like, she'll, she'll leave and she'll come back. And she's immediately implanted in the title picture. She doesn't need to be there. Like, Charlotte, to me right now, when she comes back, should be this upper mid-card t- talent that is used... You know, she gets her wins so that she can be seen as, you know, a, a strong character. But she also puts over some of the newer talent that are, that are that is on the roster, right? So that's 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 Ronda. So reason two it's so low. I just don't like Ronda in the WWE anymore. It's the spectacle is worn out. She she does to me. She's not good on the mic, which is a lot of what I I care about. And she does like like people complain oh about Roman doing like three or four moves. Ronda literally just does the same three or four moves every match, and maybe it's because Liv and her did not sync at all, and it really exposed both of them and their wrestling ability. Um, Ronda just it, it it was that match, and we'll we'll go over it when I review it, it. It was not a good match to me, um, which is sad. Um, cause I had high expectations going in for that match, but I don't like Ronda in the WWE. I don't like her being champion. I don't think she's a main event person in this industry. Um, and maybe, maybe 10 years ago, but she debuted in WWE after she had already gotten knocked out in real fighting twice. Like the, 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 the mystique of Ronda Rousey you know, in the arm bar and, and what she, like, she's a submission specialist. But when you see someone get knocked out, it's sort of just like, oh, yeah, I don't care about her anymore. And then when you see it again, yeah, I don't care, right? right. It happened twice, right? So I don't care about Ronda Rousey. She's, like, she's 10 years in the past. That's where she should have stayed. Nothing against her personally. I just don't take her seriously as this sort of badass MMA fighter she got knocked out twice, right? So, it is what it is. Number nine, NXT Tag Team Champions, pretty deadly. I don't hate the gimmick, I just don't love it. Um, It's funny, it's a comedy act, it's, but I think there are better tag teams on the NXT roster. My personal favorite is Briggs and Jensen, um, accompanied to the ring by Miss Fallon Henley, which I think should be in the title picture run myself. Um, but I don't hate Pretty Deadly. I don't like Pretty Deadly. I just, I'm neutral about it. Now, the tag team champions, trying to think of sort of like the previous reigns of, of who has had them. Pretty Deadly's held them a couple times. 
Um, the Creeds, I think, had them. I mean, it's not a bad. They're definitely not the most prestigious um, of the titles, but I think there's a lot of potential in the tag team division with Triple H coming in and sort of reestablishing tag team wrestling for what it should be. Like, I've never been a, a big fan of tag team wrestling, but I like tag team wrestling when it's good. And so that's why I never cared about the tag team division in WWE because Vince McMahon didn't care about it. And it wasn't, it wasn't good. And now we have a very solid tag team division. Tag team wrestling is becoming a thing again in WWE. And so I'm really, really excited about that because I think there are a lot of good teams um, on, the, on the roster, especially in NXT, where, you know, we could have some good feuds over these tag team belts, which is an, an important, put a little asterisk there. Because um, that's important for when I talk about the other tag team belts here in a few minutes. Um. All right, number eight. The uh, WWE Women's Tag Team Champions Damage Control. Now, I individually love every member. Eh, not everyone. I'm not a huge fan of EL Sky. I'm just not. Um, but Dakota Kai is was at one point in time before she got released was my favorite women's wrestler on the roster. Now that she's back, I mean, she's up there in the top three. I just, I don't know. There's this one, and we'll talk about her in a minute, um, that I think is better now, at least to me. Um, but damage control, I, the only reason they're so low is, one, they're ha they haven't done much with these belts. I don't like these belts. I honestly, I would trade in the tag team division belts for the women for a, mi a mid-card title I would I just I understand we have a lot of women and we need to do something with them um and it's cool to have women factions like damage control my problem with them is they won the belts and then I get their heels but they haven't had any storyline to push through those belts so they sort of just have them and nothing is going on with them um, I understand like they're heels, so they don't have to defend every week, and I'm fine with that. You don't have to defend the belts every week. I just want some sort of storyline. Um, maybe it's because there's not an, another really solid tag team on the main roster to to push, and I think what they're tr going to try to do is wait until um, Mandy loses the NXT belt and then Toxic comes up together. Um, which I think could happen in Halloween Havoc. I think that's where it's going to happen. Um, that, that's just my personal opinion. Um, yeah. So that's literally the, because there's no storyline. That's why they're so low. I think it just taking in who is the champion. They're one of the better champions on the roster. Like I said, there's a lot of good champions like that we talk about. And so I take into accountability who's the champion and then the prestige of the belt, right? Um, number seven, our United States champion, our brand new United States champion as of this past Monday on Monday Night Raw, Seth Rollins. It's been almost a thousand days since he had any championship. And you know what? I'm kind of disappointed 
it's the United States. But at the same time, I'm kind of happy it is because he did deserve a belt for what he's done. And this is no offense to Bobby Lashley, but Bobby Lashley did not need to be in the United States picture. He needs to be in the world title picture, which there isn't any, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But when you have Seth as United States champion, first off, Bobby's going to go beat the shit out of Brock for us at uh, at uh, Saudi Arabia and Crown Jewel. Brock's back for us, Crown Jewel money, and that's it. right? So we're going to have Brock and Bobby at Saudi Arabia, and maybe Brock disappears. Maybe Brock goes and does a match at Survivor Series. We'll see. But... Yeah, yeah, it's Seth as United States champion. I'm excited because there's so much you could run through Seth Rollins while still protected. Because Bobby's still protected. Because you know why he lost? Because he got F5'd 80 times and Kimura'd. And he lost because he, you know, so he's still sort of protected. And you lost to Seth Rollins, which is number one on the roster, right? So it's not like a bad loss. Like, it would be different if... If it was like an open challenge and Brock Lesnar came out in F5 and Kimura you, and then R-Truth came out and won the United States Championship, yeah, then you would say, okay, Bobby, you're not protected anymore. But Bobby's still protected because the number one dude on the roster beat him. I lost no, like, Bobby lost no credibility in losing that belt, especially since losing the belt set up his storyline. So, like I said, the belt pushes storyline. So, Bobby loses because of Brock, and now he goes after Brock. So there's storyline there. And then you can push other storylines with Seth. Maybe Riddle goes after him again and says, hey, I, I pinned you. I want a chance at your belt. I hope that's not the case. You know, maybe Gargano, maybe Owens. Um, who knows? There's a, a thousand other ideas that you could have on the roster that goes after Seth Rollins. And maybe it sets up someone like Carmelo Hayes. Imagine like Carmelo Hayes losing at Halloween Havoc and going to Raw and saying and answering an open challenge from Seth Rollins and starting a feud with Seth Rollins for that belt. Because I've always thought Carmelo was a really, really good sort of mid mid-card title guy. He ran the North American title division, and I think he could do the same thing for the United States Championship. I really do. I think that's where Carmelo Hayes should be. Um, the problem is, is both of them are heels, and so, which I don't think is a problem in Triple H's WWE. I don't think Triple H is going to really focus all that much on, on good guy, bad guy, because that, that's not the only type of story you could have. It's the easiest to book, but you could have, like, bad guy, bad guy, but the motivation of both bad guys are to be champions, and that's an easier, that's a good story to write. I just want the belt, right? Um... So, yeah, so Seth Rollins, only because he just got it, and there's no prestige on the United States. And it's not Bobby Lashley's fault. Um, Vince just did not care about his mid-card titles. And I think Triple excuse me, I think Triple H coming over and taking over, he, he, I, thought, I think he focused more on the IC belt than he did the United States Championship when he first got there in power. And now I think he's going to start building up the United States Championship. And so right now it's sitting sort of like mid-pack. Honestly, this could probably be one of the belts I broke in to the top five had there been a little bit more prestige on the belt. Number six, that is our Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. From, from here on out, it's hard to rank these 
because I think they're all equally as good. Bianca deserves a long title, or she needs a long title run, where she can legitimize herself, where she can legitimize this championship. That way, whoever does beat her, you know, has some sort of prestige and legitimacy behind beating. Because my biggest issue with how the Raw and SmackDown Women's Champions have been booked in the past is that they'll get about a month or two long reign and then lose. And then they flip-flop the belt every, you know, three to four months. And nothing, and, and like, there's just no legitimacy to the belt. Even though it is a prop, you do want to make it legitimate. And you do want to make it prestigious. In that, you know, you want the next person, the person to beat Bianca, you want to feel like there's something big because they beat Bianca. Now, I ultimately think the storyline is going to be Charlotte versus Bianca at WrestleMania. I just said I know I just said Charlotte should be in the in the you know in that reign, but she needs a legit. Like, and I think Bianca wins. I think Bianca wins. But we need to have a match that sort of legitimizes Charlotte when she comes back to put her in this reign. To I mean, Charlotte by herself is legitimate enough. But imagine, like, you can't just put Charlotte back and then have her start losing to people, um, right? So, you need to have her have this legitimate run up to Bianca where she wins the title match opportunity. She loses at Mania. And then, maybe she picks up a win at Backlash over Bianca in a non-title match. So, who, who knows what happens, right? But I do think Charlotte versus Bianca is is going to be the plan. Um, it's a little bit annoying because it's from what I heard, it's going to be Charlotte versus Bianca and then Becky versus Ronda. Which is like, it's the same four people in the who were main eventing last year in the women's division for the titles just flip-flopped. And so it's a little bit annoying because you have so many good women on the roster that you continue to use the same four Um However, like, my big problem is, what are you going to do with Rhea? Rhea needs a title. She doesn't need a title, but I don't think anyone needs a title. But Rhea needs to be in the title picture. She can't just be doing the dominatrix thing over Dominic, right? Because eventually that's going to get old and boring. She needs to have legitimate matches with with within the women's division. That would make... Because imagine, like, Dominic wins a title, and then Finn and... Uh, Priest, or maybe Priest goes after uh, uh, the, the a main card title, uh, a single title, and Finn and Dominic win the tag team, and Rhea could come out and win. A, right? It would legitimate. Uh, excuse me, I can't talk. Legitimize Judgment Day, which I think they've really needed. Um, Bianca. She needs this year-long reign. It would give prestige to the belt. Sixth place is not bad. Like she's she's a very good champion. I like Bianca. Um, I ha- I wasn't necessarily a big fan of this Bailey rivalry. Um, I just didn't necessarily care about it. Mostly because Bianca didn't really defend the belt at all, except for this last match in the rivalry. Right, it was always the tag, and I get they were trying to throw Bailey in matches where she could feel comfortable and shake off the ring rust because it'd been like a year since he had wrestled. But at the same time, I just 
I didn't necessarily like it because I just I felt that Bianca not defending the belt this didn't help her at all with with the reign. She needed a title defense one more than what she had in the rivalry. Um, I don't know. I don't know how you could have done it different, but yeah. Number five. Um, and this will actually make him number two in the NXT. It's Braun Breaker, NXT champion. I love everything about Braun Breaker. I think he's the future of the company. I think he eventually is the one that ends Roman Reigns' title run. I I do. I am a thousand percent guaranteed that Braun Breaker is going to be the guy that beats Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. I I, I there's no way you could convince me otherwise. Um and I'm all I'm all here for it. Um here's one thing I wish WWE would do. When you have these, so the Universal and the WWE Championship are like the prestige champions. They're, they're, they're the premier champion. You don't get any higher than that in, in the company, right? So I wish any title underneath of it, and then same thing for like the women's division, but the women's division don't have a mid-card title, so you can't really do it for the women's division. But if I'm Gunther, right, or let's just say I'm Braun Breaker, right? I have the NXT championship. I go to management and say, I want a match with Roman Reigns. I'm giving up the NXT championship. And I know TNA did something like that. Um, but I would have it. Any men's champion, single champion, any men's singles championship can be given up to have a shot at the WWE or universal champion. If you win, of course you become NXT, you become universal WWE champion. If you lose, you're not champion for either belt. You don't get your belt back that you gave up, right? Because you're sort of giving up the title as a sh- as a for this title shot. I wish they would do that because I would love to see that as the way that Roman Reigns loses the belt. It's a sort of Braun Breaker debuts and says, "Roman, I want the WWE championship from you. I'm giving up the NXT, right?" Now, I don't know if they'll do it. I don't know if you guys would even like that idea. I would love it because I think it puts this element of surprise. Seth Rollins, right? Or picture it this way. Um, Because I would have booked it this way. Riddle lost to to Reigns. And Riddle can no longer defend or go for and and compete for the uh, Universal Championship against Roman, right? But what if he had won the United States Championship and then says... Hey, Roman, here's my way around this. I'm giving this up. And then he wins the Universal Championship. That would have been something cool for 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 that storyline. Um, I get we have money to make, but I think we should do that with, you know, if Seth Rollins is United States Champion, he's tired of being ignored from Roman, so he cashes in the... The, the, the excuse me, he cashes in the United States Championship, vacates it, and for a shot at Roman's, you know, WWE Championship, and he wins. That would be cool. Now back to Braun Breaker. I think he's the best man on male on the NXT roster, probably in the top five of males on the whole roster. And in, in general, I think he has that it factor. I think he's the future of the business. 
And just because I think the other titles above him have a little bit more storyline through it, I love what they're doing with Braun, um, with these NXT UK guys. Um, but, yeah, Braun would just be sitting at five for me. Number four are the Usos. Now, they probably should be lower because they haven't defended the tag team titles in God knows how long. However, they are an essential part to a lot of the main roster storyline. Um, I just wish that they would defend the belts. And if you're not going to defend the belts, at least give up the Raw Tag Team Champions so that we have another actual storyline with tag teams that can actually fight for belts. Um, but I don't know. I just, they probably should be lower now that I'm thinking of it. But I do like the Usos. I like them a lot. Um, they're my favorite tag team have been for like the last 10 years. Um, um, I think the bloodline storyline is the best thing going on right now in wrestling. Um, it's so, Sammy's so entertaining, the sort of conflict between Jay and the rest of the bloodline. And it's going to call it, Jay's going to snap at some point on Sammy and it's going to be. I'm already seeing this. It's going to be a match between Sammy and Jay. Loser has to leave the bloodline. And Sammy's going to lose. I think they'll do that. And it'll be like a no DQ match or something. And the bloodline will help Jay. Right? The bloodline will help Jay win. And Sammy will get kicked out. You can already see the seeds of this planting. Right? So for the Usos. Number three. Intercontinental Championship, Gunther. This whole rivalry with Sheamus has brought an extreme amount of prestige to the IC title. This entire run from Gunther has really brought a lot of eyes and attention and prestige back to this belt. Which is great, because when Sheamus wins this thing... I, so right now in WWE, like, Sami Zayn's for some reason the number one over guy in terms of crowd reaction. It's crazy to me. And then I think Sheamus is number two, and I think it's very close. Sheamus has gotten the loudest crowd reaction I have ever heard in his career, which is great for him. So when he wins, this is the only belt he hasn't won is the IC belt. So when he wins this, first off, it's a big thing, because then he becomes a, um, it's not a triple crown. What the hell do they call it? I don't even know. Um, but he, he would have won all four belts on the main roster. Um... It's the only belt that has eluded him. He's also won some tag belt. He's won the tag belts. He's won the world championship. He's won the United States. He's just never won this belt. Um, and I can't wait for that to actually happen. I think it happens at Sa- in Saudi Arabia. Um, I think we get a Gunther versus Sheamus three. Sheamus wins the match. Gunther goes into the world picture, title picture, maybe in a feud with Roman. Who knows? Um, and I think that's where we go from there. I just love everything about Gunther and Imperium. And this is really, he's really helped me enjoy the Brawling Brutes. Because when they first started and it ended with the unfortunate injury of Big E, I just I had nothing to like about the Brawling Brutes. I just thought they put a ragtag group. Like I liked Butch by himself as the Bruiserweight. I couldn't. I don't like Rich Holland. Um, I think he was still green. I right, but and then of course there was Sheamus. But 
I was neutral about Seamus. I could care less about him. He was just filler for me. And then now he's like the most over guy on the roster, and I love watching his matches. And I think a lot of that has come out of his last two feuds with McIntyre and now with Gunther. Seamus is on top of the world right now. And I honestly think he should be in the world title picture, but I really want him to win this IC title. Um, and and he doesn't even have to have a long reign with it, right? He could win it and crown Joel, have a rematch on SmackDown and lose it to Gunther on the rematch. I will be perfectly fine with that. I just want Sheamus to win it so that he can say he won it. Um, number two, the NXT Women's Champion, Mandy Rose. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the pre- this is the prestiged women's champion in my uh and like NXT women's champion is the best women's champion on the roster. And like everything about Mandy Rose, right? So she went down to NXT to develop a little more and she completely changed her career. She's over. She has the it factor in this heel role that I don't think that she got with Fire and Desire. I don't think Vince knew what to do with her because Vince saw her as the pretty blonde girl um, and she didn't really have a lot of wrestling talent. But then she comes down to NXT and she's still not the best in the ring. But when you treat her with a little bit more of respect than she's just the pretty blonde girl and she actually has personality and this charisma and this ability to sell as the evil person. And it's not really like evil, but she, she knows what she is like. And, and she, she's the last year and a half. She's just, she's the most over woman to me, like the best woman on the roster right now, not in terms of ring ability, but in terms of getting over in terms of having the, like is the best character to me. Um, the segments with her, like she didn't have to be in the arena to be relevant because Toxic was always there and, and she would be on the screen. You know, I'm on vacation and she would come out of the water in her bikini and it, like every guy would, because it's Manny fucking Rose, right? That's how you build a character, man. That's how you do this thing. Like what they've done with Mandy has completely transformed her career. And I think when she comes to the main roster, she has that legit it factor when she gets there. Now, I don't even think she has to come to the main roster. With Triple H in charge, like NXT is going to be main roster. It's going to be developmental, but it's also going to have like that main roster feel, right? And they're sending people down there. Um, I think Sonya Deville just showed up. I haven't watched all of NXT from la- from last night. But I think Sonya Deville showed up and joined, or is at least helping Toxic Attraction. That's big. That's a big addition because Sonya can play that role as well. Right? And Toxic now is four really beautiful women who are just, who do evil, not really evil, but who who are like the bad girls, right? And it's it's beautiful in, in art form, but it's also, they're sexy. Right, and, and and that's what gets over. I've been saying this for years now that we needed some sort of women's gimmick that we didn't take them out of the ring and make their the in ring less important, but we needed to implement sexual the sexy ability 
that a lot of women have in wrestling. There are a lot of women in wrestling who are stunning. Beautiful women. But it's almost as if we can't promote sexuality and uh, and sexual storylines and do these bikini set uh, scenes because it it degrades. It doesn't degrade women, right? Mandy Rose to me got a lot more out of that than being degraded. It helps the character, and they do it to themselves, right? They post their they they post their bikini pictures everywhere, so if they're willing to do it. So let's do it. And so I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Right? That doesn't mean that the sex appeal has to be the only thing that's shown. Because obviously Toxic Attraction is very good as a tag team. And Mandy's very good in the ring herself. The only reason she's not number one is because number one, as you can tell, is Roman Reigns. Who's had the best run of the last three years. The best run in wrestling. In the last three years has been Roman Reigns. He's the guy. He is the guy in the industry. I don't care what anyone has to say. He's better than Omega. He's better than Moxley. He's better than, you know, anyone else that has been world champion for any other company. Right? He's better than Paige. He's better than the Bucks. He's better than, you know, Josh Alexander, which I actually like Josh Alexander, to be honest with you. I think he's a solid wrestler. Um... He's better than Claudio as or Jericho as Ring of Honor champion. He is the best guy. He is the top guy in the industry. The top guy in the industry. He is the blueprint of how to be a professional wrestler. Is Roman Reigns. He's not the best in the ring, but he has the charisma when given the correct gimmick. He has the charisma and the mic ability to get himself over as this I'm the head of the table guy. I'm the guy. Right, and Roman Reigns is the guy, right? And ultimately, they're planting seeds because I think The Rock said something on a podcast or a show the other day that he's the head of the table. And oh boy, it's coming. WrestleMania, baby. They're planting seeds. They're doing it. And I can't wait for it. Hopefully, by that point, the match is not for... I don't want... I want Roman to still be champion, but I don't want Roman... To defend the championship at WrestleMania. If he's going to face The Rock and he's going to have the belts coming in, make it a non-title match, have The Rock see, I don't want your title, Roman. I don't want your title, Roman. I just want the, I, I don't want the WWE Championship. I don't want the Undisputed Championship, whatever. I want to beat you to prove that I'm still the top dog in this in this family. And that's what you're fighting for. Who is going to be considered the head of the table? And The Rock puts Roman over. Or, The Rock wins and Roman walks off and the sunset sort of vacates the title. Or, I don't know how you would do that. That's why I think this meant you have to take the belts off Roman before Mania. Um, For this to make sense. For this storyline. For him to actually face The Rock. If he's going to leave after Mania. Like a lot of people have said he is. Then. You need to take the belts. Off of him. Because it won't make any sense for him to. To fight. If he's fighting Rock. As champion. You have to have it as a championship match for Mania. And The Rock doesn't need the belt. Because The Rock should just come for Mania and leave. But you also don't want to have The Rock come in and lose because that 
would make it like it's an interesting situation to have. Um, I don't know. So that's my rankings. I that went way too long, to be honest. So let's go through and give a the quickest review of of extreme rules that you will ever hear. So let's go ahead and start with uh, the. Brawlin' Brutes versus Imperium in a Dollybrook match, which uh, uh, it's everything that it was supposed to be. Um, it probably was the best match of the night, um, like you fi- like I figured it would be. Um, and yeah, I'm a little confused with the result. Um, the Brutes did pick up the win. I really would have preferred it to be the other way, where Sheamus won on a Friday and won the IC title. And then as sort of, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, sort of, in, you know, Sheamus should have won the IC title on Friday on SmackDown, and then Saturday at Extreme Rules, the grudge match, Gunther came back and, and pinned Sheamus and won that, right? And then that would set up the third match at Saudi, which Gunther could then win again. To me, that's that would have been better booking, in my opinion. Um... We move forward. We have Liv and Ronda next. And again, so you went from like the best match to the worst match of the night. I didn't understand it at all. Like I said in my preview show, Liv needed to come out and have the best match of her her career. And if she was going to prove to me for me to still sort of enjoy her as champion. And of course, she's no longer champion. And I don't understand what what went on here because Ronda doesn't need the belt I don't know it's weird I just where do we go from here we didn't really see much come out of this I hope it's not Becky that challenges her first um and I really hope it's not Ronda carrying the belt in the mania um I really hope it's someone else I really do all right so we won't talk about that I guess the main thing to come out of this is Liv went backstage to like a, one of those digital exclusives on YouTube where she was in the back and she was in like a dark place, blah, blah, blah. And they're really pushing maybe for her to join Wyatt Six. I don't know. It would make sense because Bo is in a relationship with Liv, and I think Bo Dallas is going to join Friday night um, with Bray Wyatt. Um, I think we'll... Week by week, we'll get, if this is actually like a six-person team, week by week, we'll start getting people um, introduced to the the faction. Um, yeah, maybe it's live, maybe it's live, maybe it's, it's not, but we'll, we'll see. Um, moving from that, you have the strap match, which I thought was a very good match. It, it was brutal. It was everything you wanted it to be. Um, Scarlet gets involved like you thought it would. And I don't know, every time she sort of stood in front of Drew and they stared at each other, there's this, this weird, like, sexual tension. And I don't know if I was the only one that felt it, but it was just, it was weird. Um, and then she pepper sprayed him. With what I hope wasn't actually real pepper spray because that shit hurts. Um, Drew did a good job selling it. I don't even know if he was selling it because it could have been real pepper spray. And like I said, that shit hurts. Um, and I don't understand why. I guess you use water, but if that water wasn't cold, then it doesn't help. And pepper spray is just ground up pepper. So the capsaicin 
exp- like water just exp- expands the capsaicin and where it goes. I mean, they should if it was real pepper spray, they should have had like milk or something to pour on in Drew's face. I think it was just water. To be honest with you, they did a good job with 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 Drew selling that though. And why do they use pepper spray? I think they were going to use another fireball or something like that, but the last one missed, like big time. And it, those things are so unpredictable. And guess what's not unpredictable? Pepper spray. It's a good. It was a good way for Cross to get the win, um, and continue to build that character with Cross, with with Cross and Scarlet. Um, we had a few segments with Miz and the mascot for the Flyers, Gritty. Those were entertaining. Those were fun. Um, <laughs> I hope, and this is this is stupid because this would be super long term booking. But they're in Philly for Mania Forty, and uh, about a what? It'd be a year from March. We're about a year and a half away from them being in Philly for WrestleMania. If they could do like. Miz versus Gritty, that would be fucking fantastic. Or have Miz in a match at that Mania and have Gritty come out and attack him, that would be fantastic. I would enjoy that. Um, just that long-term story right there. Um, we move forward. Bianca and Bailey. this match just sort of fell flat to me. There was really only two... Big pops for me in terms of like what happened in the match, and that was the two KODs the double KOD to Kai and Sky, which took forever to set up. Um, and then the one with Bailey on the ladder that eventually led Bianca to win the match. Like I said, it wasn't a bad match, I just I don't know, it, it just fell flat for me again, not bad. It was still a solid match. Everything you wanted. It just, I felt like I, I think I think what happened was I came into Extreme Rules with super high expectations, and it didn't like flop. It was still a very 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 good pay per view. It's just my expectations of what I wanted to see just didn't come true, and that's why I tend to not have high expectations. Um, but like I said, I mean, all of these matches were like B. Ronda's would have been like a C, but uh, and then Gunther and the. Brutes and Imperium was like an A, but everything else, strap match, this match, that was a B, right? You then have Finn and Edge, which I did pick Finn to win. I just didn't know how they were going to get to have Edge say I quit, and I thought they did this fantastic. Now, first off, this match took way too fucking long. That's the only critique I have for this match, is it felt like it just took on forever and ever and ever ever for this match to end which I get it it's an I quit match you need to have some sort of length to it um, but ultimately Edge becomes the family family man says you know what I quit to protect Beth and then of course you knew they, they were going to hit Beth anyway that's your typical criminal move where they're oh well we won't do it if you if you give us what we want and then you give them what they want and they still do it anyway right that's just typical bad guy villain stuff um, and so I see this growing into one of the uh, War Games matches at Survivor Series. I really do. I see this growing into um, Edge, Mysterio, 
maybe AJ. And then Beth Phoenix. I don't know who the third member of Edge's team would be. Um, versus, uh, Judgment Day and Rhea, right? Judgment Day, just those four. Or now, like now that I'm thinking about it, we could get Priest, Finn, Dominic. And a fourth person, whoever that fourth person could be, versus uh, the Good Brothers, AJ, and Edge. And they could, they could even add like a, a fifth, and then you could throw Ray in it for the War Games match. Something like that could happen. Or, you know, you could do the Good Brothers, the Good Brothers, um, the OC with, you know, so Gallows Anderson. Uh, AJ, Edge, and Beth versus Judgment Day. So Priest, Finn, Dom, Rhea, and then a fifth person, whoever that fifth person. Maybe we get like a Dark Ray Mysterio. Um, who knows? Um, but yeah, it was a good match. It was uh, my favorite part was just how they got Edge to say I quit. And, you know, it's building storyline. And I'm a little bit more excited with the Judgment Day than I was coming into the event. Right? Um, and then we get our main event, this fight pit match. It was kind of stale for me as well, probably because I had higher expectations than I should have. It was still a B match. Really good. But I also think that the reason that this pay-per-view felt so flat during the matches is because during the entire thing, Everyone was just wondering, where's the white rabbit going to show up? When's Bray coming? Right. And there were, there were clues. You know, people were on their seats. Okay. It's going to happen during the, the Bianca match. No, it didn't happen there. Okay. Well, maybe it happens during the judgment day match and why at six goes after judgment. No, it didn't happen there. Maybe it happens during the main event because Bray has issues with both of them. No, it didn't happen. And I'm so glad this debut was not a, I'm going to come and attack you. It was just, the what the way they did it was the way it should have been done. And I waited to the very end. They pulled the little uh, trademark trick on us that they do every now and then. And you thought the pay-per-view was over. Then the arena got dark. And, oh, my, Michael Cole sold this thing. Are we, are we still in air? Guys, guys, are we still in air? Corey, are we still in air? It was so great. And then, of course, you get the debut and, and, and all the dramatic effects with it. And it was just perfect. On the edge of your seat. That was the only time my watch party ever got quiet. We talked most of the mat, most of the, the, the show. And then when it got dark at the end, we all got quiet. And we just sat there and watched it. And it was it, I thought it was a very good debut. Um, it tends to... I tend to think Bray... From the rumors, is going to be SmackDown only, which makes sense because Fox wants it. And I don't necessarily think USA wants this type of character. Nor what should you because Fox is giving you more money, in my opinion, from what I understand, for your TV deal. Fox is, Fox is the premier guy. Ultimately, I think at some point, WWE is going to just go to Fox by itself for both shows. Um, and I'm all fine with that. I really am. Um, yeah, overall, 
a B, a B, B minus pay per view. Not bad. Um, wasn't the best in the world, and it definitely didn't live up to my expectations. But, that, but that's because I was expecting a lot out of this, and it wasn't bad. I still enjoyed it. I actually watched it twice. I watched it at my watch party, and then I watched it a second time because I watched it more to listen to the commentary because with us talking, we didn't really hear a lot of the commentary. Excuse me. And I feel you miss a lot if you don't listen to commentary. Um, it really sells the matches, and Michael Cole and Corey Graves do a good job at it for the pay-per-views. Anyway, that's this episode. Let me know what you guys think on either of the topics we discussed. Again, you could find me on TikTok. Thank you guys for getting me to 1,000 followers, by the way. Um, I might go live one of these days. Who knows? Um, follow me on TikTok. You'll you'll see that over there. Um, and again, this is the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Randall Beatley. We're signing off, and I'll see you on the next episode.